What's up, everybody? Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. I, of course, am your host, Mike Bauman, whoever you are, wherever you are listening from. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If you're a returning listener, I greatly appreciate your continued love and support. And if you're a brand new listener, thank you so much for hopping aboard that pirate ship. You can follow me on Instagram at March 4th Pod, on Twitter at Mike V. Bauman, and the host site is march4th.podbean.com. You made it here, so you found me somehow, and I'm truly, truly humbled and grateful for your eardrums listening to this podcast, wherever you are listening from. It's great to have you. As you can tell, I'm, I'm amped up, man, uh, uh, not only for this week's guest, but uh, I don't know about you guys, but you know, one thing that I really enjoy, like like YouTube might be my favorite social media site, just because uh, you know, not only has it launched like so many careers, and it's got like if you want to learn how to play the guitar, you can go there for that. If you want to laugh, there's obviously a lot of funny stuff to laugh at. But it's like I love it for like the positive stuff too. You know, I'm you know obviously with this podcast being about perseverance and moving forward. It should be no surprise that I like to uh, seek out positive energy and positive stories as well. And I like to watch a lot of like motivational stuff. You know, my man Matt Foley, motivational speaker. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I love you, Chris Farley. Um, but but there's like good motivational channels. There's good there's good stuff about uh, about you know people people that I look up to in like entertainment or music and and just the stories behind how they got to where they were and and the struggles that they had to overcome you know on the way to achieving their dreams and being successful inspirational people who have been able to touch so many lives millions of people through their art and through their music through their movies all that stuff man and so one of them that I stumbled upon today was Steve Harvey and if you're not familiar obviously I I hope you're familiar with him but Super famous comedian, has been on numerous shows, movies, all over TV. Um, Funny guy, Kings of Comedy. If you haven't seen that, watch it. Kings of Comedy is so great. One of my favorite jokes of all time from Bernie Mac is in there about, uh, I think the joke is actually titled My Sister's Kids. Um, But it's, it's, it's amazing. And Steve Harvey was amazing in it as well. Anyway, I digress. So I'm, I'm listening to this video and it's like a speech Steve Harvey has given, like, I think in like 2019, man. And he's just, uh, so I'd known that, uh, that he, he had spent a couple years living in his car on his way to success. But he was talking about how when he was a kid, he didn't grow up with a lot. His, his parents didn't have a lot of money. And at like Christmas time, his dad would take them to the suburbs and they would drive by and look at the, the nicer houses with the Christmas lights up. And he would say to Steve, you know, you know, one day you're going to have a home like that, you know, and um, and then he was talking about now how he owns homes in different states, you know, and, and how they they all have like the nice the nice wraparound driveways. And and he just said, man, he, you know, and, and also this and this is what really stuck with me, too, man. He said, um, I think he was 27 years old. He said the first time he went to a comedy club trying to figure out what he was going to do with his life and stuff. And he went to this comedy club. And it was kind of like an amateur night thing, like where they where they, you know, were, you know, new people could sign up or whatever. But he he had to go to like comedy class or whatever. He didn't know. So he 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 sat down and was listening to these people go up. 
And these guys were going up, and he was saying, yeah, he goes, you know, he goes, like, I knew I was funny. He goes, but I just didn't know what to do with it. And I went to this comedy club. I signed up, and uh, I needed to go to, like, comedy school or whatever. So I was just there watching that night. And these guys were going up, and he goes, there was stuff that I was like, oh, this this probably would have been funnier if they would have done this. Like, in my head, I'm thinking, all oh, this is a watching. He goes, well, it got to, like, the 10th guy or whatever, and he wasn't there. So then they said, Steve Harvey, you hear? Like, they started going to next week's people, which was him. And he went up, he killed it. He he like won like the amateur night or whatever, got paid fifty bucks. Excuse me. And then he said in the car with this girl on his you know, leaving wherever they were going after that, he was like crying. And the girl he was with was like, Why are you crying? It's only fifty bucks. And he was like, You you don't you don't understand. Like, like this is my purpose. This is what I'm gonna do. You know, I say all that to say that uh, you know, another quote that he said that really stuck with me, man. Um was a great way to kill a big dream is to share it with a small-minded person or small-minded people. I'm paraphrasing, but a great way to kill a big dream is to share it with a small-minded person or small-minded people. And, um, you know, that, that really stuck with me because, you know, along my path, you know, I think the biggest obstacle has been myself in my life and the fears that I've had, right, and that I'm, you know, learning to overcome and uh, many of which I feel like I have stared in the eye and overcome doing this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, getting behind the microphone and, and being vulnerable, learning how to record and edit and put all this stuff together. Like I have overcome a lot on this point and I'm, and I'm, you know, continuing to grow as we all are as humans. But there have been people along the way, man, who have said stuff to me like, oh, like, well, do you, do you make any money doing podcast? Like, is there any money in that? Is there? And it just and it kind of bummed me. It bums me out. Because I feel like I don't know what happens at some point when we get into adulthood, man, that it's like everything becomes about money. You know, it's like what what happened to just doing stuff because you love to do it? You know what I'm saying? Like when you see a kid having a ball, like, you know, drawing or painting or coloring or helping helping mom, you know, or dad cook, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, um, they're building model airplanes and you know playing flight simulator like my brother used to do and now he's a pilot it's like what what happened to just doing stuff because you love to do it like it, i just don't understand where we went wrong in this society in particular and i guess i can really only speak for the united states because this is where i grew up and and i've been to canada but outside of that i haven't been to any other countries you know so i don't know what life is like in other places uh but you know it's just it's just like that i don't know what happens to that inner child that so many people just kill off at some point they just murder literally like murder a part of themselves you know as they get older they just let it die and they just i just it just so that quote about you know a great way to kill a big a big dream is to share it with a small-minded person man and I, i just think that that's Keep that keep that in mind as you go through life, man, because there's going to be a lot of naysayers. There's going to be a lot of people, you know, who 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 don't dream big, you know, who play it safe or maybe they're just unhappy people, you know, and it's like crabs in a bucket. You know, you're trying to get out and they're trying to pull you back in, you know, and, um, you know, don't you don't got to explain yourself to anybody, man. Like and that's one thing that I've learned along my path. Like I do this because I truly love to do it like. I guess what I'm trying to say is that Steve Harvey got me really amped (laughs) 
to to do the intro to this show tonight and uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys man because like I said I've run into I haven't run into a lot of that since I've gotten back into this with podcasting but I've definitely I've definitely had a few people ask me about the money part of it and it's like yo why why does that matter you know what I'm saying so don't let those people bring you down man chase your dreams don't think that they're too big and hold yourself accountable to them man you know because we get one go around with this life um, you know, and, and, um, there's always going to be doors opening, you know what I'm saying? And I think the universe will bring stuff to you at times. And, um, and, uh, it brought that to me tonight, man. And it just really inspired me and it motivated me. So I don't know if you're a Steve Harvey fan or not, but, uh, I would encourage you to just, you know, check out some of that stuff on YouTube, man, because that guy, when you, when you hear about what, what he came from, the, the truly humble beginnings that that dude had, I mean, like, I mean, just imagine living in your car for like, not like a month or two months. Like the dude lived in his car for like a couple of years, man. You know what I'm saying? He was 27 years old when, you know, when that comedy dream, you know, 50 bucks, man. You know, like we just, you know, The Rock, you know, his his production company is named after the fact that, you know, when his football career was over, he had $7 to his name. Like we just... We see all these people killing it, and we and we forget that they all started with that first step, just like you might be starting with that first step right now. You know, you might be up, you might be down, you might be indifferent right now, but you know what? You got that first step to take, just like everybody has that first step to take. And man, you know, once you take that first one, you take that second one, that third one, and you just keep going, man. You know, so um, yes, I'm excited. That dude's got me ready to run through walls, but, uh, shout out to Steve Harvey, man. He really, he really motivated me tonight. Uh, dare to dream everybody dare to dream. In addition to that, and speaking of dreams and motivating this week's guests, uh, I really love their music, man. Uh, I'm glad they came on my radar. I'm super excited to share a little bit more into their story on March 4th, and that band is none other than Rushing Spring out of Danbury, Connecticut. The particular members of the band that we have on the podcast for this episode are Austin Gold, who plays rhythm guitar and does the vocals, and Eric Cassidy, who plays drums. They're rounded out by Jake Delventhal on the bass, Rob Ettinger on lead guitar. Rob, I hope I'm saying your last name right, man. If not, I apologize, but I really love these dudes, man. If you're into emo, if you're into punk, if you're into pop punk, these guys are definitely going to be in your wheelhouse. It was just so much fun to talk to to these guys. And uh, Austin was sharing more about his story in terms of, you know, addictions that he's overcome, you know, mental health, you know, uh, going through a tough relationship and, and just translating all of that into the music. And uh, it was it was cool, man. It was a really open, vulnerable, just awesome conversation and uh, I really appreciated it. These guys uh, had their single Somebody premiere on Alternative Press back in February. Um, They just did a music video and dropped their single Journeys on May 28th on New Noise Magazine and their latest EP, What We Were Is Not Who We Are, came out the next day on May 29th. So uh, I and I love it. it. It opens up with a song called Fall, which is just this really cool, beautiful sort of like slow intro, slow build into the EP. And it closes out with the aforementioned journeys like it's just it's it's really just a dope EP, man. And these guys, 
these guys got other great singles as well. So it was a super fun conversation, man, and I, I really enjoy catching up with these cats. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Austin Gold and Eric Cassidy of the band Rushing Spring. Here it is. <laughs> recording well dudes i i definitely want to just say thank you um as we were talking before we even got officially rolling like it's uh like we were talking about social media it's a small world just with with adam and the dropout kings guys and the site of impact um all of whom i've connected with somewhere or another for this podcast and connecting with you guys and listening to your music to get ready for this i really like what you guys are doing man so first i just want to say thank you um and let the people know who you are just so they know your voice when you speak on this and, and what you do in the band all right, I'll go first. What's up? My name's uh, Austin. I'm the uh, lead singer um, and the rhythm guitarist, and uh, we are Rushing Spring. And Eric, who are you? I, uh, I'll go second. Uh, I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm the drummer of Rushing Spring and uh, a proud member as well. <laughs> and so you got half of us tonight. <laughs> So usually where I like to start these things is um, I do like to go back. I mean, I like to let the conversation flow, but uh, I do like to go back a little bit, especially with music, because I feel like any art form or any love that somebody has, like there was that first song or that person who introduced you to something. So for you guys, what was what was the bug, man? What was that first introduction that made you go down the rabbit hole with music? The Beatles, All My Lovin', four years old, man, that song uh, that changed it all for me. You know, my mom is a huge Beatles and David Bowie fan. And, um, she put me onto it when I was literally four years old. And I decided I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. And, uh, I begged my mom and dad to buy me a guitar every day for two years until they did. And uh, I started guitar lessons then. And, uh, I've been playing ever since and I'm 23 now. So it's been wild, but yeah, it was the Beatles all my love. And then I remember specifically that song because I liked how fast it was. And I guess that was kind of some foreshadowing to uh, <laughs> playing pop punk, but <laughs> yeah, that was it for me. That's awesome. What about you, Eric? Yeah. Similar kind of classic rock. That's what I got into first, uh, kind of going through like my parents' CDs and all that. And then I got into drumming from my dad pretty early, like around four years old. And uh, kind of just carried on throughout there. So, and then, you know, kind of towards high school, gone to like pop punk, like I feel like any other high school kid would, especially up in New England. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and, and, and talking about your guys' sound, you know, for people who aren't familiar, definitely go check them out. Um, please listen to the interview first and then go check them out afterwards. <laughs> but, um, but you guys describe your sound as like emo pop punk. And um, obviously I think, I mean, I think that's accurate. And, and you, you know, Eric, you just mentioned getting into that stuff in high school. And it's, it's funny because I I'm 33, so I'm, I'm a little bit older, but um, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was like a pretty booming time for like the music industry in general, like with uh, I feel like just sold records and things like that. But, you know, obviously if you listen to pop punk, everybody knows blink 182 and they were, they were really like, one of the big, I mean, they're still one of the biggest bands on the planet, but at that time, especially with MTV and Enema of the State and all that, they were everywhere, man. Um, so like coming up for me, like bands like Corn, like I always gravitated towards the heavier stuff, but I love Blink as well. And 
I don't know what what is it about that time you guys think is guys who play this kind of music that pop punk it just seems to be it just seems to align with like those teenage years does that make sense like it just seems to align with like you know being like uh junior high high school that music I feel like speaks to a lot of kids even to this day that are in that age range would you agree and and was it just something that you guys naturally gravitated towards at that time in your life well I know for me that like when I was first introduced to pop punk, I was seven years old and it was my best friend at the time, this kid. And uh, he told me to get it. He showed me Green Day. And that was like the first thing I ever heard. And I remember my mom's always been a huge music fan too. So she went and bought the CD with me and they played Longview in the car. And it goes, uh, when masturbation lost its fun, you're fucking lazy. And she just looks at me and I'm the seven year old kid. And she goes, you can keep it. Just don't repeat the swears. And, uh, (laughs) you know, that was like what got me into pop punk was Green Day. But I think that pop punk as a whole with that like age range that you're talking about. I know that like, I think that it does like, it's, it's an energetic sound to begin with, which is like kind of a pick me up. But it does like the thing that emo and pop punk talks about a lot that other like genres of music that I found that like don't really address completely is like the full range of emotions, you know, and especially like emo as a whole too. It's like very dynamic where it's like, you know, it's very high highs and very low lows. And I think that translates over to like kind of the universal teenage experience where it's like, I don't know about you, but I was a complete asshole as a teenager, (laughs) you know, and I was on drugs and I was, uh, you know, ruin anything that walked and I was punching holes in walls and I was a very angry person. So it was like when I heard punk rock, cause like I kind of went backwards where I didn't really get into pop, like actual pop, pop punk and like emo and stuff like that until later on, I gravitated more like I found green day and then I went backwards. Like I found operation Ivy and minor threat and the descendants and like, oh, the okay. so like I come, like I came into the background first of like getting into more hardcore punk and like classic punk and the clash and all that stuff. And then I found the replacements and that really changed everything for me. Cause I was like 15 years old and uh, they're more like college rock proto pop punk type stuff. And it was anthemic and it was angry and it was sassy and wisecracky. And it was, I don't care what you think, you know, and that would just like summed me up. And I got into more of like the actual pop punk stuff later on. But I think that music as a whole is always been more popular with teenagers. And, um, you know, for me, I like writing about angst because like, even though I'm 23, like, like a lot of the songs, I'm sure you listened to them before. There's like references in there. I'm like, I don't feel grown up. So, you know what I mean? There's a yeah. lot of uh, clash where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm like, going out and I'm playing music and I'm hanging out with my friends and all this stuff, but then I'm coming home and I'm paying bills. You know what I mean? And I talked to my dad about that. I was like, does it ever go away? Like, do you ever feel like an actual adult? He's like, no, that doesn't go away. You always feel like a kid just like wearing your dad's clothes, you know? So that's kind of what I think about it. What do you think, Eric? Yeah. Gee, I got to follow that. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like I kind of discovered I think my the first time I heard Blink, I heard uh, it was a cover band at a Battle of the Bands in high school. They did all the small things. And I just kind of like, I, I remember that song. I went home and then I kind of, I bought it on iTunes. And then that kind of just launched my whole Blink-182 
fangirlness. And then I don't know, it was just I, I thought they were hysterical. They were, they were like the funniest band I've ever seen or heard. <laughs> Tom DeLonde is like, I can talk for hours about that guy. But I don't know, the whole pop punk scene is just like I feel like just like no one but like really funny down to earth people are involved in it. So that's why I kinda I gravitated toward it a lot. And then, you know, like emo music as well, Midwest emo is really great. So I don't know. It's just a good community. I think everyone kind of sticks together. Yeah. I think to even add on that too, I feel like a large part of it for me too, is I always felt like an outsider growing up. And I feel like the entire like community of like, like the punk rock community and the pop punk and emo and all of that is like built. It's a whole community built on feeling like an outsider. For sure. So it's kind of like, a bunch of everybody's like yeah we're outsiders but together we're not outsiders and that's kind of what the scene does for me too so yeah and i think um <clears throat> i think they're well one you got you got a cool mom austin if she if she told you, you can keep it just don't repeat it because i know there's some parents who are just like you ain't listening to that like i remember uh quick aside i remember um uh which is cool that this kind of stuff is coming back now like within like uh you know merch packs and like pre-orders and stuff people make like tapes now you know what i mean like they went away forever because they got replaced by cds and then people thought mini discs were going to replace cds and then it just went all digital but the vinyl and stuff i'm glad it's coming back with people um but i remember having like a creed tape and listening nice. to it my dad's honda accord and it was what if which oh, is like a great song yeah heavy heavy riff you know and and um you know, Mark Germani is like one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, but one of the one of the the lyrics in that song is like four tongues and bitter mouths can drive a man to bleed from inside out. And I was listening to that with my dad. And I think my siblings were in the car and we're all like two years apart. And my dad, like I grew up like Catholic. So, you know, he listened to rock and roll and stuff. It wasn't like they were restrictive of what we listened to, but you know, the when Creed you was like church. the Beatles of, of yeah. Christian rock, <laughs> when you when you listen, when you listen to like your kids music for the first time as a parent, I'm sure it's like, what is he listening to? But my dad was like, he just took it literally. He didn't get like the metaphor of like that lyric. So he's like, I don't like that fork tongues and bitter mouth stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dad, he's not talking about like devil, like, you know, lizard people. It's just a metaphor, yeah. man. But, um, yeah. but when you said about your mom, that made me laugh because. I remember I had one of my buddies in junior high who had like a whole stash upstairs of like, you know, all the rap at that time, like the, the, the Atlanta scene was popping off with like outcast and, uh, and, and then even like St. Louis, you had Nelly. So all that stuff around like the turn of the century. And we were in junior high in like the early two thousands. And I remember being upstairs and my buddy being like, yo dude, don't say anything to my mom but like check this out and he had like a whole tr like treasure trove of just all these like rap cds and like tupac and all this stuff and like yeah, yeah. so it's cool to me when parents um austin like you were talking about are supportive you know and um oh, yeah. really appreciative of like you having an interest in something like that because how you were speaking about like the pop punk community is always how i felt about metal i think there's actually a lot of similarities there in terms of the outcast and sort of the, the you know the stepchild of the music scene and um yeah. you know metal i feel like is is a lot that was a lot like that for me too where it was just like you have this community of people who don't dress like everybody else who listen to this heavy stuff people just think they like worship the devil and like drink blood and stuff and it's like it's like no i'm a really calm dude i just like to headbang i like heavy riffs and yeah. you know the occasional hardcore vocal but um 
but that's cool that it sounds like your parents were were supportive was that the case as you guys were getting into music yeah Yeah. definitely yeah i mean my uh it's weird because like like you said i mean my mom like she has good taste in music which is awesome (laughs) yeah so she got me into like the smiths the clash the ramones and like she actually used to be like a radio host in college, funny enough, like during the 80s. So she like formed a That's lot awesome. of the taste in music that I have, but she never played any instruments. My dad, on the other hand, like he uh, was a first chair cellist in the Bridgeport Symphonic Orchestra. Holy shit. Yeah. And my grandma, my dad's mom has been a church organist all of her life. So like there was always music in the family growing up. And like some of my early memories is like my dad playing the piano. And, um, like, so they, they were always very supportive about my music. My mom more so with the tastes, the similar tastes that I had, cause my dad listens to like exclusively country and disco, which I can't stand either, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, one of those things where I think that like punk and like to talk about like what you're saying with like metal being like a community where it's like an out, kind of an outsider community the great thing about like punk for me has always been like the individualism that comes along with it yeah and like i've always like said this like constantly to eric and all the other guys <laughs> but i'm like you know i don't consider us pop punk in the way that like we're a pop punk band like sure we make we've made pop punk songs but it's like if i want to write a fucking reggae song i'm gonna write a reggae song yeah you know what i mean and that's what fucking punk rock is to me you know we we did write a reggae song to an extent but we never released it yeah we threw it out but like that's my (laughs) point it's like you know what i mean like the ability that we have like as individuals to like be able to function unencumbered by like what society as a whole tells us to do or like what even people inside the genre tell us to do that's more punk to me than fucking anything you know what i mean it's like I'm going to do what I want when I want to do it because I want to do it. Not because anybody else is telling me to do it. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think, and I think that's important musically, right? Cause um, you know, if you don't like the stuff that you're putting out there, you know, I feel like people can, can sniff if, if it doesn't sound authentic or genuine and it's real easy to kind of just get into a box. Right. And I think that's, what's cool about hearing you say that it's like, Hey, this is kind of the vein of stuff that we're in, but you know, if I want to write, you know, a reggae song or a metal song or whatever. I actually, when I was watching videos of you guys, I was like, I feel like their, their lead guitarist is a metal head because he's got like that. Was it like a, he's got like a Jackson V he's wearing iron maiden shirt. And one of the, the videos I think for rushing spring was it he was wearing like a iron maiden shirt. So I'm like, that dude for sure is a metal head with the way he plays. Yeah. Like, you guessed here. right. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Kev, yeah. 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 You guessed right on that one. He, um, so me and him actually started the band together. Okay. Um, yeah. So I had just gotten sober three years ago and uh, I was looking to start a band and me and him started the band together in his basement. And then um, we found this other dude that we taught bass who ended up not sticking around. But uh, then uh, we met Eric online. And like I said, I quite literally bullied him into joining our band. <laughs> Like, that's not, it's funny. It's hysterical, but it's not a joke. I literally mixed, I met him online and I sent him our demo tape like five days in a row until he was like, all right, screw it. I'm checking it out. That's awesome. uh, Yeah, man. It's, uh, but yeah, we definitely have a lot of influences. Like, you know, we do have like that pop punk sound, but like, there's like, obviously there is some metal influences in there. There's a lot of eighties college rock stuff that's in there too. I also like a lot of like modern indie stuff too, like the 1975 and like that whole vein of like kind of alt pop 
and like bedroom pop. Like, I love that stuff. So like, you know, if we want to go harder, we will. If we want to go softer, we will. I mean, like the batch of songs that we're about to release, I don't know when this podcast is being released, but we have an EP that's coming out on May 29th and the lead single Journeys is premiering on New Noise on 528. Um, that's kind of like softer than a lot of the stuff that we put out before, like that I would say as a whole. But we have another batch of songs that we recorded right after that that's way heavier than anything we've ever recorded. So we're kind of like unencumbered where it's like, you know, we're just going to do what we want and kind of throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. Whatever sticks, great. Whatever doesn't. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, taking it back a little bit, um, you mentioned you formed an 18 and congrats on on the sobriety, man. That's awesome. Um, so was that was that just the... Uh, was that a coincidence in terms of the band forming and your sobriety or did it, was that intentional? Like take me, take me back to the forming of, of rushing spring. Cause for people listening to this too, that's, that's one, I don't know if it was your, your debut single or not. Um, but uh, that's, that's the name of one of your guys' songs too. And, and you guys have a music video for it. So, so take me to like that. Oh, time yeah. rushing spring. So uh, how it all happened really was like, I've played in bands since I was 12 years old. Like this is kind of like always what I wanted to do. So I've always been forming bands and, you know, for most, like all of them before that, they didn't work out really for whatever reason. And uh, probably cause I was so young doing it, you know, but uh, I got sober after a long run with opiates and um, it's been three years now. And uh, basically I was looking for a new band to form and I met Kevin and I knew that he played. I met this other kid, Phil, who's no longer in the band anymore, but he was our bassist when we first started out. And, um, you know, we started practicing in uh, Kevin's basement and that's how it really started was, uh, and Kevin was originally a drummer, funny enough, because he had an electric kit and uh, he's, an insane shreddy guitarist <laughs> and um like basically like one day like after practicing for like four or five weeks he was like you know i really want to play guitar and then like just picked up the guitar and just like shred like crazier than anything i'd ever heard <laughs> and i was like oh well i guess we better find a drummer then <laughs> and like that's kind of how that started and um rushing spring like the debut single it wasn't our debut um we actually like released that like i think like it was september of 2019 actually but we uh we kind of like when we wrote that song like we have a really bad habit of like writing songs and then like putting off naming it for like months (laughs) so we have a bunch of songs that are like oh that one that starts with this chord or that one that sounds like this or you know the one that goes you know yeah but like oh like when we started like when we had came time to name that song because we had to release it you know i remember coming to the group and being like i feel like this one really at that time it really symbolized kind of what we were as a band you know and that song also talks a lot about mental health which is kind of where i was because i was in the middle of like figuring out like i developed a panic disorder in my early 20s and i started having panic attacks and that's what that song is actually about so like the uh chorus it goes i've been falling down this rabbit hole with no way out I'm waiting out the winter with a frown. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, the whole title rushing spring, the band name itself is actually talking about like, it's a double entendre. It's talking about like flowing water, but also like getting out of the winter, you know? So I kind of felt like that kind of, it all came together and like packaged nice, so to speak. Yeah. So we ended up naming it after the band itself. 
That's cool, man. Well, you know, just know you're not alone. Like, uh, I've, I've dealt with panic attacks since I was a kid. Uh, I still deal with like OCD tendencies and irrational fears. And there's some fire in my head I'm trying to put out that doesn't even exist. So I, I know what it's like to, to go through that, man. And I'm happy to hear that you've got like a, a good channel for it, you know, cause, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately people don't, don't figure out what that channel is, whether it's music or podcasting or drawing or writing or exercising. So, um, congrats on just channeling it into a, a positive, uh, release for you, man, and connecting with people. Cause that's, you know, and that's why I love doing this stuff too, because, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I think we're at a point with mental health now where it's okay to talk about it, you know, cause there was a lot of years when I was younger, where I, I didn't even know what it was. Like I just would avoid, you know, that becomes kind of like, I don't know, you know, how, how you coped, but um, like for me, I would just avoid stuff I'm like, Oh, I don't like crowds. I don't like being around people. I'm just going to stay away. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then that doesn't really help you get better because you're not exposing yourself to things to go, Oh yeah. Like, I don't need to be worried about that. Like whatever people are people, you know, if I get sick, if something happens, I have a panic, like it's going to be cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to hear that you've channeled it into something positive, man, because, uh, I think there's a lot of kids out there who, you know, probably listen to your music or, you know, if they listen to this show, I think it's cool to know that, um, you know, that they're not alone. You know what I mean? Cause like I said, I'm 33 and uh, I have my good days and my bad days with stuff and kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about uh, like your dad and, you know, being an adult and just what that's like, like, and how, like, does it ever get, you know, do you ever feel like you've grown up and, you know, and I think that's what I've learned with life too. Like, there's never going to be like a point where you just feel like everything is like, how do I want to say it? Like, like I've got everything figured out. Like, you know, you're going to have moments of happiness. You're going to have moments of sadness. You're going to have moments of weirdness, you know, and, and bouts with this or that. But if you can um, stay authentic through all of it and take like a positive step forward every day, like that's the most important thing, whatever that is, you know what I mean? So that's, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, part of what this podcast is all about is like perseverance and moving forward. So that's really cool, man. Well, I think it's really, well, first off, thank you. Um, but I think it's really important that uh, we as a society really destigmatize, you know, mental illness as a whole and talk about it, you know, because sure. I do remember for sure, like being like a teenager and being like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know what I mean? And, oh, we don't talk about that. You know what I mean? Come to find out my parents are on antidepressants. I never knew that. You know what I mean? My grandma, I used to think it was weird that uh, I would never see my grandma in the winter. She just coops up in her little, she's my neighbor and I wouldn't see her. And uh, she just coops up in her house. She has seasonal depression and she won't leave until summer. And, you know, I would see her out and I was just like, oh, that's just grandma. You know what I mean? And I never knew. And knowing that now is like, wow, that's, I look at it in a completely different light. And, uh, you know, it's important to be talked about and it's important. And that's one thing with like our music that like, I really want the people to understand is like, I want to reach that teenager who's sitting in his bedroom thinking, you know, what the hell's wrong with me? And like hearing that and be like, wow, this guy turned out okay, somewhat. (laughs) And, you know, he's (laughs) writing exactly about what I'm feeling, you know? And like, that's, that's how I connected with the musicians that I love is because they wrote about the same feelings that I had. And I want to do that for somebody else. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And and music is something that's always helped me get through stuff, whatever it is. I mean, like there's songs, uh, 
you know, whether you're going through a tough time, whether you're going through a good time, like we all have those songs and those playlists that just get us through stuff. So that's, that's really cool to hear. So with this band, um, and again, on your guys' Instagram, um, you, you've posted a lot of videos of it and it goes back like all those shows and stuff. And it's really cool just to see like, um, to see shows like that. Like we were talking about citizen before we started this. And I remember, uh, I think it might've been video. It might still be on YouTube. I don't know if that festival is still around, but I think it was called blood fest maybe up in Michigan. And, and I remember, uh, talking to their guitarist at the time about, um, just the kids connecting with their shows and how crazy that was. Cause I was trying to put myself in their shoes, being a little bit older than them at the time, being like in my mid twenties, I was like 24. I was like, dude, is that nuts? Like when you play somewhere and you got kids just like right in your face, there's not even like a stage. You're basically just playing in a room and they're singing your lyrics back to you. And so watching your guys's video on your Instagram of all those shows and seeing, you know, seeing kids at those places, man, like, what kind of rush is that for you and, and, and Eric as well, like to, to play those kind of environments as you guys build this up and just, I mean, talk about intimate. I mean, you're like you're right there, you know? Oh, bro, dude, there's nothing like it. You know what I mean? I, uh, we have a running joke in the band where like, I'll look at everybody and uh, like before we start, you know, the band members and I'll say Madison Square Garden, you know what I mean? Because it's like, no matter where we are to how many people we're playing to, I'm treating that show like it's Madison Square Garden. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, it's absolutely a rush, you know and I mean? More so, like, we just had our first show back in a long time because it was like, we didn't play for a year because of COVID. And the Northeast got hit really, really bad with COVID, especially where we are. We are, like, we're an hour away from New York City, so you can imagine. Yeah. Um, but, like to see the turnout that we had at that show where like 50 people were there, you know, which is a, it's a very small town that we were playing in, you know, and uh, they were mouthing the lyrics along with us, you know, and you're like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And it's a total high, you know what I mean? And uh, it's very intimate. The people come right up to your face and, you know, you get to know people where like uh, we've had people that come that start out, as fans but you see them come to every single show that you do and you're like okay they're not really fans anymore they're just my friends you know yeah and uh it's it's super cool you feel like you're part of something that's a lot bigger than you and uh it makes it all worth it like it makes like any drama it makes any like uh you know disagreements which you know they happen not frequently but it's part of just being in a big family you know and it makes uh all of that stuff, the late nights, the loadouts, the practicing the same song 5,000 times, it makes all of that worth it when you have somebody come up to you after the show and be like, dude, you guys were beyond sick and uh, you know, you're going to do something with this seriously. And we get that a lot and it's super cool. It like makes my entire life, to be honest. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, kind of going off Austin, like, getting up in front of a crowd that, you know, and just playing, like, original music, especially at, like, a bar or anything, like, it's, you got to win them over in a way, because people are going out, like, maybe they want to hear, like, something they've heard before, so to get out on a stage and play originals, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking, but when you see people, like, you know, bobbing their head or dancing, it's, you know, it's reassuring that, everyone's having a good time and just going out and enjoying themselves. Yeah. You get better at it too. It's like one of those things where it's like, I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. Like we've had shows where we've bombed hard, you know what I mean? But every band, <laughs> yeah. does, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
Like, oh my God, I remember this one time we were at this place called Cherry Street and it's in Wallingford of all places. And um, like they put us on last and my amp failed halfway through and we didn't know what to do because that was the first time that that ever happened. So we tried to play it through and it was just an awful night. And those are the nights where you like come back the next day and you're all staring at each other and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in a, a pretty like intimidating crowd to an extent too because these are like, it was a very dive bar scene, uh, very punk crowd, like rancid, misfits, like uh, yeah, like you know, like dyed mohawks, like spear things coming out of their shoulders and their leather jackets. And we're yeah, singing we about like <laughs> you know, we're singing or a pop punk band and like a hardcore punk club. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like that was, and then on top of that, our gear failed. So yep. it, we we were we were swimming or kind of treading water for a bit, yep. but you know and you look back and you laugh because what does it really matter? You know, Get were they giving you guys crap when when it went out, or or was it just like, oh my gosh, how do we pull through this? Like, were they starting to do like the impress me, bro, with like their arms crossed? Well, that was the like... entire time, even before oh, yeah. the amp cr- crapped out. But I mean, we just just went through it. I mean, at the time it was aggravating, but it's like, what can you do? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's funny. Not, it's not it's punk a, if it's perfect. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's the I think the better the good thing out of that is that we've typically done better with younger crowds, which is a good thing because you want the kids to like you. They're the ones that are gonna take it to the next level. You know what I mean? The old school punks, they're it's funny because they're I find that they're very gatekeepy and judgy, which is funny to me just because we don't play hardcore doesn't mean we don't listen to hardcore. Like I was, <laughs> I, like I said, I grew up on that stuff. You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah. So it's very much like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to write a minute long songs where I'm just screaming, you know, I love it when it's done well, you know, but for me, I'd rather, I, I don't make a conscious choice about what I write for me. It's kind of like, I'll sit down and like, you know, like I'll feel like for a couple of days prior, I'm like, okay, there's something coming. I can't really explain it. And then I'll just kind of vomit it onto paper and then it's done, you know, but like, it's, uh, it's something where it's like, I don't, I, w- I write about the things that I know, you know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, I like poppy sounding chord progressions, but I also like playing fast. And that's why the genre ends up we end up being categorized by that kind of stuff, you know, it's because we do play a little bit harder. We come from a punk background, but we like poppy sounding stuff. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I mean, Stephen King, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, writing and not music, but, but they kind of go hand in hand. Um, And I'm sure he's influenced a lot of metal bands with some of the stuff in his stories over the years. But I think, (laughs) I think that was one of the things I heard in college when I had like a, one of my English classes was the one thing Stephen King would always tell people when they would ask him for advice on writing, he would just be like, write what you know, you know, right. write what you know. Cause that's the stuff that's going to jump off the page to somebody is something that came from like your heart and your soul. You know what I mean? Which, which I always wanted to ask him, well, like, what do you know, bro? Cause you're writing about clowns eating kids off of toilets and <laughs> stuff. So I don't know what's going shit. on between your ears or what you saw as a kid, but damn, <laughs> Maine well, sounds dude, a little scary. <laughs> well, yo, it's it's funny because like I I feel what you're saying, but like I've also read a shit ton of Stephen King too, and yeah. like if you look where he always sets the locations, it's always in places that he's lived, where it's yeah. like either Connecticut or Maine. You know what I mean? And I feel that because like yo, a great example of this that I can actually connect to our music and like specifically me writing about what I know, right? Is like there's a song Breakfast Club fanfic, right? 
Yeah. And, uh, that song I wrote about a girl who I had a crush on in high school who I see now on Instagram posting constant stories of vintage people, like vintage photos on her stories. And like, that's literally what I wrote it about. And then to tie that back together, funny enough, she's never going to watch this. So I don't care. I'm not going to say her name. <laughs> funny enough. She's my hairdresser. <laughs> oh, and wow. On a date, she rejected <laughs> me. So then I wrote another song where it's not released yet but the lyric goes if you're fine on your own you don't need to know that every song i wrote i wrote them all for you talking about me writing breakfast club about her so it's like you know i'm quite literally putting my life into these songs and that's like how they sound like they sound authentic because i'm literally writing about my life yeah man that's awesome well that's the example of art imitating life right like right there what you're doing um to give to give people up to speed a little bit if they're not familiar with you guys. So like you said, you formed in 18. If my notes serve me right, the first single, it was it wasn't Rushing Spring. It was was it Roll Your Eyes was the first one technically. There's a throwback. Yeah, bro. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Roll Your Eyes was the first single off of a secret EP that was released and then taken down. Um, Roll Your Eyes was the lead single off of an EP called 100% Human. Okay. Which is still available somewhere on the web but you have to go and find it it's not on itunes or spotify anymore but roll your eyes is on apple music if anybody wants to listen to that but that was our very first single and then 100 human came out and then we ended up taking it down because we were still in the middle of finding our sound we felt it was a little bit rushed um the diehard fans know where to find it if you look for it online you will find it but i'm not going to link it <laughs> <laughs> no and, i feel uh, you then groceries was kind of we consider that kind of our first song as a band okay yeah because groceries that was the song that got us signed to get even originally that was the song that like when i wrote it i kind of had a eureka moment and that was kind of like okay this is like nothing we've ever done before and that kind of became the basis for us defining our sound and how we wanted to sound like I remember I brought that to Eric because Eric's kind of my writing buddy. We're like, I'll write something and then I'll come and bring it to Eric and I'll be like, what do you think about this? And then he'll play it on the kit. And then me and Eric will kind of bring it to everybody else. And Eric, what were you thinking when I brought groceries? How's that for an interview? We didn't. Uh, what was I thinking? I don't know. Uh, I was probably got it. over it's that done. morning. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, he, he, he came over and we just kind of jammed on it. And then we kind of figured out like that breakdown where like the drums, you know, like the toms are going off and all that. And like, I don't know, like we just kind of, I try to get like a little bit of the story so far involved in there. So that's kind of like my, my piece in it. Austin's better at explaining it. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely something that we had never done before. And it was a little bit more grandiose and anthemic, which like, as opposed like what you hear now is kind of more of a result of us kind of going in that direction as a whole and like deciding like look we want to write like fucking anthems you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. we want that, that like it sounds big you know what i mean and uh groceries was kind of the first song that did that for us and um i remember like me and like voice memos is my best friend on my phone Cause like, I just record so much shit on that. And like, (laughs) 
I recorded me and Eric playing that on voice memos. And I remember listening to that in my car, drinking coffee in a McDonald's parking lot, like three days after with like, and it was snowing too. And I remember thinking like, I never, like I, at that time I was like, I don't really listen to a lot of our stuff that I put out. It was kind of like set it and forget it. And like this one stuck to me and I was like, wow, you know, this is different. And uh, it was also one of the first songs that I had written in a long time that I was actually directly referencing my own life too, because I was writing kind of about like dealing with uh, the loss of this ex that I had where like I cut her off like after I got sober and uh, it was brutal. It was a nasty breakup, but I used to pick her up in the morning. So that's where the lyric comes from um, waiting up till dawn with your house in the rearview mirror you know, and there's a lot of stuff in there where I was uh, dealing with a lot of shit. And um, like that line, when you sleep, do you dream of me? Cause I dream of you constantly. And I was like, okay, here's a person that was totally toxic in my life, but I still think about them. You yeah. know, I was kind of talking about like untangling that whole web of uh, shit, <laughs> you know? So that's like how that whole song came about. And um that was like pretty groundbreaking for us. And like right after that, I think was when we wrote Russian Spring and like our catalog online has always been like maybe six, seven months, eight months late from when we actually like write it and record it. Yeah. So like the stuff that you're like the EP that's dropping on May 28th is like actually stuff that we recorded in March of last year. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm glad you touched on that because uh, I was looking at your guys' history, and then I was like, I don't see 100% human. And then I, I had read, um, was there an album that you guys were, were working on, but was that part of the like the pandemic and, and maybe it just got scrapped? or Because I, I read that too, right? Like there was a, oh, yeah. a full-length yeah. LP. We were working on a full-length, and then we decided, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like uh, we were working on a full-length. We had uh, – tracks like 17 songs and like that's so typical us because like we'll go over the top and then like we'll like be like all right let's throw out 90 percent of it <laughs> <laughs> so like we like tracked 16 songs and we've real we've ended up releasing like a majority of them but we just broke it down into smaller units so like okay somebody was supposed to be on that album rushing spring was supposed to be on that album groceries was supposed to be on that album breakfast club um this whole ep of the next four songs that are coming out is was supposed to be on that album as well and then i think the rest we kind of just threw out because we were experimenting a lot and uh we kind of took the best of the best out of that and we're like great and uh you know now we're moving on where we have some really 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 exciting stuff that we just recorded in march that we're going to be releasing this summer which is even is i would say it's the best stuff we've ever recorded so i'm super hype on that that's awesome well it sounds like it turned out for the best man because um you know like you said i think i think especially with the pandemic you know um you know i mean there's been awesome albums that have come out recently i mean just as a metalhead like gojira's new record is amazing um but like i think especially if you're a band that's uh you know, getting out there to people and building as you guys have done over these last couple of years, I think it's cool to drop different singles and give people individual vibes. And like, you've put out, like you had the music video for rushing spring, like, you know, somebody, you know, um, 
and and I like the vibes because they're 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 definitely a little bit different. You know, somebody's not a sad song, but it's a little bit more on the somber side. You know what I mean? Rushing Springs, a little yeah. bit more upbeat to start. Um, sick ride in that. We got to talk about the car in that video too. I don't know whose whose ride that is or what kind of car it is. <laughs> oh, but that's, yeah, that's, that's an awesome that's car. Good. But um, but yeah, it sounds like it worked out. I mean, obviously the pandemic sucks. I'm not saying like that's of course that's not a blessing, but given the times that we're in, it sounds like you guys made the most of it. And I think that ended up probably being a good decision to kind of drop these different vibes of what your band can do. Yeah. I think like I, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's like if uh, our big vibe has kind of been like, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And it's like, if people like that, then that's hype. If not, that's okay too. Somebody will like it, you know, pun intended, but like with, (laughs) somebody somebody was a cool song because like i wrote that song very very literally where like there's that big build up in there where it goes uh, i'm sitting in a dark room it's four in the afternoon i'm waiting for somebody and that someone is you and i was actually writing that in a dark room at four in the afternoon waiting for my girlfriend at the time <laughs> so it's like i was literally writing very stream of conscious and um and we have like a little Lou Reed heroin, Lou Reed heroin inspired uh, breakdown there where it gets all crazy for a little bit. And, um, you know, that was a really, really fun song to do. Um, and then we, you're right. We have a massive contrast where we kind of have like power poppy stuff with like breakfast club fanfic. And then we have, you know, a little bit more classic pop punky stuff with rushing spring or emo stuff with groceries, but like, we're just going to do whatever we want to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And somebody, is that the most recent one that came out? Yeah. Somebody is the most recent one that's dropped. Um, although it's not the newest out of all of those. Actually, okay. Breakfast Club was the last written one, but we really liked that one. So we decided to release it ahead of everything else. Um, but yeah, somebody is the most recent one to have come out. Um, and it premiered on Alternative Press, which is yeah. absolutely insane to me that that happened, but it did. <laughs> Yeah. So, so tell people a little bit of the, um, the background to that. Cause we were talking before this and you were, and we were talking about networking, uh, you know, shout out to Adam and the dropout Kings yeah. guys, but, um, Adam, man. um, and Eddie and all those dudes, man. But, uh, um, you know, you were, we were talking about networking before we hit record and, um, you were talking about just all the Facebook connections you had and how you're getting your music out to people. And that's kind of what helped lead to this whole thing. Right. So, if it's yeah, cool, can I mean, you can you tell people that story? Yeah. So basically, like when when the pandemic hit, we had our first mini tour canceled and like we were promoting mostly through live shows at the time. So like I took to Facebook and started sending like just DMing people on my Facebook because like I have like a thousand at least like a thousand two hundred friends on there. And like I totally got assigned to the management company we started out with by accident because basically like this dude who I friended specifically because his name was Jack white. Um, like basically I DM'd him and I was like, Hey, check out my stuff. And he was like, I love this. I'm sending it to my lower level management. And I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. who is this guy? And I went and checked and he owned a management company. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> by accident. Yeah. So he ended up signing us later that day. It was that quick. And then we ended up um, leaving, get even, like six or seven months later and pursuing um, word is bond management with Eric who reached out to us and Eric has been the absolute man. Um, Like you asked how we got on alternative press. It was really, really simple. We were like, Hey Eric, can we get on alternative press? 
And he was like, maybe. And then like a week later, he's like, you're going to be on alternative press. And we're like, yes, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We were like, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. <laughs> And it's got good reception too, right? I mean, was it was yeah. it Love It to Death UK? Were were they another one that had some nice words to say about somebody and being on AP and everything too? Yeah, Love It to Death. They've written review a couple of reviews on us. I mean, they wrote a review on groceries back when we were like when we had no followers or anything, and um, like they they paid attention a lot of attention to us. Um, so they're the people i think it's one guy who does it over there um he dms me a lot of times when he hears our stuff and he's like let me write a review about this and i'm like i'm not saying no like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but he's good people he's a british guy um his name's sam and uh you know he just discovered us one day and just you know has been keeping up with us which is rad um but you know eric has been instrumental with hooking us up with a lot of blogs um and then Adam, shout out Adam Ramey from Dropout Kings, who does our PR, um, not necessarily our PR, but just kind of our general marketing stuff. Um, he's the absolute man, too. Um, he's really funny because I had no idea who he was. And like, basically, like, even after we left Get Even, Jack White has like stayed like a casual friend of mine. And like, he hit me up. He's like, I got to introduce you to this guy. He's like, he'll get you a bunch of followers. Like he's good people. And like now granted, like I have a little bit of like that California in my voice. And that's, I attribute that to smoking copious amounts of weed in high school. <laughs> but like, you know, overall, like I'm from New England. Everybody else around us is from New England. Even Eric, our manager is from Rochester. So like, we're all very fast talking to the point people and then Jack put us on this conference call with Adam and Adam's very like, what's up, dude? How are you? And like, <laughs> and it was, uh, I was like, okay, okay. You know? And uh, we talked more and we ended up really, really vibing. And I don't think I ever told Eric this like drummer, Eric, that's on the call. But like after me and Eric got off the phone with Adam. I think I called him the next day and me and Adam had a talk on spirituality for like three, four hours. Oh, wow. And he's just such oh. a good dude that um, like we decided, agreed to go with him for a month and just see how it went. And we've been with him ever since, you know, and uh, he's just good people, especially like having like a good marketer and a good management company is like really invaluable for somebody like us where we're like, not signed to a label we're still an independent artist so you know like right now like we kind of like i treated it kind of like okay we're building a team you know yeah for sure for sure man yeah he's he's a dude i'd love i'd love to talk with not even like for my podcast but just in general just to pick his brain about stuff and just uh you know because i think his story is pretty interesting how he's gotten where he is too man um but that's that's really cool well in, in the time that we have left you guys and thanks again so much for doing this it's been awesome talking to you man uh, both of you guys, dude, um, you know, this year, I think it, it sounds like, um, you guys have been putting the pieces together. Like you said, you got new music coming out and I, and I wanted to touch on that because the, um, the new EP is, is it the 29th? It's, it's what we were is not who we are. And then journeys is the, is the single that's coming out the day before on a new yep. night. 
You got it. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. So it's what we were is not who we are. Um, and it's got our exit sign as the cover. So that's uh, if you're ever in Connecticut, you can find us somewhere in the vicinity <laughs> <No> of <laughs> sign. <laughs> um but yeah no the prevailing theme on that uh on that ep itself is kind of like change and like finding like who we were like that's like where the title comes from is like because we like i said we recorded this entire ep like a year ago you know it i would say that there's aspects of that sound that you're going to hear on that where it's very much like yeah we kind of kept and ran with that and then there's other parts where it's kind of more like experimental and being like, okay, you can, you can actually actively hear in real time, like us trying to find our sound on that EP. So I think it's going to be a really interesting listen, especially if people who already know the band and have listened to it, like not to the songs, but like have listened to us as a group, like they kind of know what we sound like. So they'll hear a lot of stuff that they wouldn't necessarily expect on there. You know, like there's a, uh, like Eric, I'm thinking of like fall, you know, the opening song is like a minute and 30 seconds of like this really delayed guitar and just like this massive, like uh telephones, like, and a full choir coming in. And then it like just disappears as quick as it comes. And then there's like uh FYI, which is more of like a power pop ballad, like not ballad, but it's like, uh it's almost like the best way I could compare it is like a queen song almost. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. I don't want to spoil it completely, but, um, you know, it's kind of like the conclusion to this era for us of in the pandemic of like all the songs that we wanted you guys to hear that we didn't get a chance to put out. And who did you guys uh, record this with, man? So we do all of our recording up in uh, Plainville, Connecticut with Enzo and Pace over at Pharaoh Studios. Um, Shout out to Enzo and Pace. Those are the boys. We love them to death. Um, they're like they're just solid dudes. Pace is like this twenty-year-old guy who never leaves his basement, and Enzo's his dad <laughs> who like helped him like put together the studio in their basement. And uh, so it's a father-son team, and they're like the sweetest people ever. Like literally, I was there to track vocals last time I was there, and um, like. Enzo came down. He's like, you want pasta? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do. That's they're awesome. Italian. So like I went up and like just ate pasta like in their kitchen, like fresh cooked. And I was like, that's just the kind of dudes they are. Like they're really, really good people. Um, they just finished recording with Mandala, who's a pretty big band in our scene. And um, like they've, they've really grown. And like they were a new studio when we started tracking. So you can also hear like their sound develop because everything we've ever put out has been recorded over there. So like you can hear like from Roll Your Eyes is a great example up to like the newest thing that we recorded over there that you've been able to hear is uh, Breakfast Club Fanfic. You can hear a massive difference in the sound quality too. And that's as much on our end figuring out our sound as it is on their end getting better as producers. So it's been... um really cool to kind of grow with them i mean i was just texting them today because they're my friends at this point they're down in disney world right now <laughs> oh cool yeah well, before i let you guys go man uh this has been so much fun austin and eric i really enjoyed talking to you uh, i greatly appreciate the time this is awesome um uh going back to the to the to the rushing spring video if people haven't checked it out check it out it's cool 
Um, and that was the one where there was some like graphic design almost elements in that, right? Too, like with the cartoonish characters and stuff. But uh, so definitely people check that out. But uh, who's who, what kind of car was that? And whose ride is that? Because that strikes me as like somebody's grandpa has this like sick vehicle that they just took care of. And yeah, so that's a uh, 1966 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. And that's actually my uncle's car that he let me borrow. Nice, nice. Yeah, dude. And I'll tell you, that's a boat to drive. (laughs) It looks like it, man. They don't make them like they used to. My buddy, one of my best friends uh, in the whole world, his grandpa had a, um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was a Ford Thunderbird. And the back seat literally looked like like a booth, like a corner booth at a restaurant. It was crazy, like red leather. It was sick. It was sick. Bro, I tell you what, it's a it's a boat, but it's also the smoothest ride I've ever driven, to say the least, you know, and uh, it was a lot of fun to get to drive that, especially because like my daily driver is like I have one of the new Forte GTs from Kia. Okay. And uh, yeah, I wish, (laughs) but it's like, yeah, it's fast. But the main thing that I noticed that's different between the two cars specifically, besides the fact that they're completely different is the steering wheel. You know what I mean? Cause like with that old classic car, they've got like the spaghetti strap steering wheel where it's real small like that. Yeah. And it's just a total mood. And we knew that we wanted to use that vibe for like the whole, uh, for the music video of like that classic vibe also kind of mixed with the new, like, kind of like symbolizing you know like our old school kind of background bringing in with the newer stuff you know because then we have like the animations and stuff like that on top of it so yeah that was cool man uh well well, guys before i let you go to get 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 you out of here um there's a couple of uh uh ones that i like to ask people and um i know i didn't give you time to prep for these but uh they're fun questions for me because i like to pick people's brain on music so if you could take three albums from your life that mean, I, I guess I won't say mean the most to you because that's a lot to put on you without having prepped you for this question. But if you could take like three albums that that mean something to you that you would want to put in a time capsule for people to hear in like the year 3000, let's say, um, what would those albums be for you? Just the hey. top of mind, like the things that you love that you would want people to listen to a thousand years from now. Eric, you start. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, I think uh, my first one would be the first Kiss album, like that self-titled one, where it's like the black background. That one was really good. Um, I really love the Charmer Ivy album that just came out. That's really awesome. And whatever album had Broadway with the Goo Goo Dolls on, I'm taking that one to the grave with me. <laughs> oh right on was it dizzy yeah. up the girl i almost want yeah. to look now was that, that the record familiar. yeah when she was like iris. on that bed or whatever yeah that one did that one had some hits wasn't iris on there i think iris, black balloon yeah. might have been on there yeah that was a that was a crazy record man good year for the dolls yeah i was about to say <laughs> if you want if you guys want to feel old then iris was released the day i was born april 7th 1998 <laughs> holy crap dude you're making me feel old i was in fourth no. grade buddy oh my gosh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say for me it would be the replacements let it be um the the smiths self-titled and uh hot mulligans you'll be fine nice man yeah, you're like an old soul, man. You're right. Your parents gave you some good, some good music taste for sure. 
Hell yeah. Well, Hot Mulligans, You'll Be Fine came out last year, though. But that's like, that was my album of the year. Hot Mulligan, if you're on the off chance you're listening, take us on tour with you because they're going to pop into the mainstream pretty soon. And they're like my favorite band that's doing it right now. Well, that's awesome, you guys. Well, and, and the last thing I'll ask you is when with Journeys premiering on May 28th, so this this episode is probably going to come out in June. Um, is there a video that's going to be accompanying that too, it looks like, a music video? Yes, there is. And uh, that is was directed by Anthony Okino. Um, he's a student over at Fordham Film University, and he's a close friend of ours. He's done, uh, he also directed Somebody and Breakfast Club Fanfic. Um He's a good dude, and basically, it's rushing spring goes to the beach. Is <laughs> the theme of that video? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Austin, Eric, this has been so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much for taking more than an hour of your time with me. Um, I'm really looking forward to to the new music from you guys. I loved what you've done so far. It's been cool to learn more about uh, both you dudes, man. Um, I, I humbly, you know, anytime anybody takes time to talk to me and do this show, it I I really appreciate it because this is what it's all about for me is connecting and music and the mental health stuff. Like that's all stuff that's like super important to me. So I really appreciate your time, you guys. Um, I'll put up the links in the podcast description, but uh, let people know where they can find you if they're not familiar. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, Apple music, Amazon music, anywhere, any social media platform, except for Snapchat. You got to ask nicely for that. (laughs) Um, it's all just at rushing spring it's just that easy r-u-s-h-i-n-g-s-p-r-i-n-g rushing spring flowing water and uh like i said you can find us on any social media platform and anywhere that you would stream music all right y'all have a good night man keep in touch thanks again hey you too brother all right see you later Alrighty, there you have it. That was my conversation with Austin Gold and Eric Cassidy of the band Rushing Spring. Austin, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to do the show, dudes. It was really, really fun talking to you guys, man. I had a great time having you on the show. I really appreciate both of you guys opening up to me about your music and about your lives and just giving me, you know, and and the listeners here uh, a behind the scenes, behind the curtain view into the world of this, this band and what you guys got going out there in uh, in Connecticut and I'm so excited to do whatever I can to get the word out about you guys so thank you so much it was great talking to you let's definitely keep in touch for everybody listening please go follow these guys on Instagram at rushing spring I will also put up the link for all of their music they've got a link tree on their Instagram that you can click but I'll make sure I share in the podcast description so scroll and go into the podcast description so you can get the link to their music. Again, their latest EP that just came out on May 29th entitled What We Were Is Not Who We Are is out now on digital streaming platforms. Go check it out. Like I said, I personally love the intro to it, Fall. It's just a beautiful, beautiful way to to, to set everything up for the EP, and then it closes with Journeys. It, it's just it's just an awesome, awesome record. Uh, shout out to the former guitarist, uh, Kevin as well, Kevin DeBacher, uh, he he actually recorded with the band, but then he elected to go to grad school. So 
Rob has replaced him on lead guitar, but I wanted to make sure I gave a shout out to Kevin because we talked about him on the episode as well. He's a super talented guitarist. I could definitely tell the dude listened to metal, not just by by what he wore, but I saw I saw that guitar he was playing, man. Like I said, I think it was like a Jackson V. I was like, this dude, this dude knows what's up, man. He's into that speed metal stuff. So um a master shredder as a word, but uh but if Kevin listens this listens to this dude, uh, you know, kudos um on going to grad school, man, and uh you know, you know, best of luck in your in your new endeavors, and thank you for your contributions to the band to this point because I really dig your plan. But uh, again, shout out to all the guys in the band: Austin, Eric, Jake, Rob. I'm really excited for these dudes, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to you know as as these guys get out there and continue to play shows and get their music out there and, and just watch it grow because it's going to grow, man. Uh, again, like I said, if you're into you know to to emo and punk and pop punk, you know. Bands like, you know, Taking Back Sunday, The Story So Far, The Replacements, Big Star, like, make sure you go check these dudes out, man, because uh, you won't regret it. And like I said, uh, really, really a fan of the latest EP. I think it's it's great, great work. It's diverse. It's um, it's just it's just really cool. And, and like I said, there are other singles, uh, like Somebody, Groceries, like, I, there's, there's, there's some, some good stuff there that's, that's come before this as well. And, uh, I love all of it, man, but uh, I, I really dig the new EP, and I'm really excited for these guys. So again, shout out to Austin, shout out to Eric, and shout out to all of you, man. Again, I'm really, really excited for this podcast and for everybody who's checking it out. Uh, if if you would be so kind to take the time to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes, they come out on the first and third Tuesday of every single month. Your boy is working hard to eventually get to weekly I'm balancing everything in my life right now, and uh, I know I can do two a month. I want to continue to grow it, but right now it's uh, you know first and third Tuesday every month. Hopefully, eventually we'll get to weekly. I'm working towards that, but if you subscribe, you will make sure that you don't miss any new episodes. And if you would be so kind, if you dug this episode, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, not just for me, but more importantly for the dudes in Rushing Spring, because like I said, the more people go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast, the higher it helps it rank up. The higher it ranks up, the more eyeballs it sees, the more eyeballs it sees, you get to drift, the more people hear Rushing Springs. So I really appreciate it, man. Follow me on March 4th pod, uh, at March 4th pod rather on Instagram, at Mike V. Bauman on Twitter. Uh, there's a link tree as well for all of my stuff. And uh, yeah, man, uh, again, I hate begging for the subs and the likes and, you know, hit that subscribe, you know. But at the same time, dude, it is important, man. You know, it's important if you want to stay in tune with the show, if you're rolling with the positive vibes that I got going over here, man, uh, it's uh, it would be cool if you did that. And, and again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm never short on my thank yous. And I'm just really pumped for the future of this show. I'm really pumped for Rushing Spring. And I'm pumped for all of you to go out there and just knock down those walls, whatever they are. You know, at the lowest points, man, where you think you can't get any lower, you've hit rock bottom, I promise you, the best stuff comes after that because not only do you have nowhere to go but up, but uh, when you are forced to face adversity in life and you get those curveballs that you don't see coming, whatever they may be, um, you will look yourself in the mirror and you'll realize you're a lot stronger than you think, man. So I wax poetic a lot at the beginning of this thing, so I don't want to do it too much at the end of this thing other than to say keep your head up, keep marching forth, keep moving forward, keep persevering. It'll get better. It gets better. 
as somebody who's 33 years old, maybe maybe you're a little bit younger than me listening to this, maybe you're a little bit older than me listening to this, but uh, so you, you probably do know what I'm talking about right now, but it gets better, man. It gets better. Life was meant to be enjoyed. It was meant to connect with others. It was meant to, to, to share, man, you know, so be good to each other, love each other, lift each other up, you know, be uplifting, you know, be, be the voice of reason in your friend group, in your relationship, in your, in your office, you know, rise above the negativity and, uh, find ways to channel the darkness into light, man. Cause, uh, life was meant to be, to be lived to the fullest and to enjoy. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to give you guys these shows and I'm excited to bring you more. So thank you again. Thanks again to Rushing Spring. I'm going to close this bad boy out saying what I always say as a tribute to my grandpa, which is keep the faith and be kind to one another. Courtesy of the dudes in Rushing Spring, here is their single, Journeys. Peace. Talking about spaceships and aliens